Due to the graphic nature of this cult's crimes, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes discussions of murder and abuse that some people may find offensive. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. On a crisp December night in 1999, a pastor's wife sang her children to sleep. The preschooler and toddler shared a bed as an infant dozed in her arms. Even indoors, she could see her breath. Though she often felt cramped in their meager home, tonight was cozy. Keeping her children close comforted her. Soon, the sound of the woman singing faded, and the house grew silent. Hours later, her husband awoke to the sound of an aggressive knock at the front door. He crept downstairs groggily, hoping the noise hadn't woken his kids. He cautiously opened the door to find his friend standing outside. The man had come by to return a set of keys. Since the night was bitter cold, the pastor welcomed his friend into his home to warm up and use the restroom. But the bathroom door was locked. The pastor called out to his wife, but got no response. Growing panicked, the two men tried to force the door open. When they finally succeeded, they saw the pastor's wife lying in the bathtub. Dark blood curdled around the fresh gash in her head. She was dead, just as the pastor had prophesied. Hi, I'm Greg Polson. And I'm Vanessa Richardson. And this is Cults, a ParCast original. Every Tuesday, we look at a cult's practices, their leader, and their followers. You can find all episodes of Cults and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Cults for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Cults in the search bar. Today, we're taking a deep dive into the Pentecostal congregation of Knutby, Philadelphia, The small church was at one point deemed a manipulative cult. Its leader, known to her congregants as the Bride of Christ, reportedly brainwashed church members, stripping them of their free will. This week, we'll focus on Pastor Helga Fosmo. In the latter half of the 90s, Pastor Fosmo was hand-selected by the so-called Bride of Christ herself to help lead the church. We'll explore Fosmo's upbringing, religious beliefs, and dangerous alliance with the Bride of Christ. Next week, we'll broaden our lens to shed some light on the cult's inner workings. We'll examine how Fosmo used spiritual shunning to alienate and then manipulate his mistress into committing a string of wicked crimes in 2004. We'll dive into Fosmo's story right after this. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. Search To Die For in your podcast app to follow the show. A new true crime podcast from the team behind Up and Vanished. In 2016... 
adventurer Justin Alexander was invited on a trek by an Indian holy man. They headed to a spiritual ground in the Himalayan mountains, a place beyond civilization. The holy man returned and said nothing, but Justin was never seen again. What happened to him? Dive into our investigation in Status Untraced. Available now. Listen for free on Spotify. From the beginning, Helga Fosmo felt like a big fish in a small pond. He was born in 1971 in a whistle-stop town in Sweden. Fosmo was the youngest of five children. Relatives were enchanted by the young boy's perceptive eyes and the sweet dimple on his chin. Fosmo's parents were not religious people, but they did allow their youngest son to join a scouts program through Mission Covenant Church when he was 10. Within two years, young Fosmo would come to claim, in earnest, that he'd found salvation. Before his 12th birthday in 1983, accounts suggest that Fosmo was a self-proclaimed born-again Christian. It's a curious thing for such a young child to cling so tightly to a faith in which his parents and siblings had no real interest. It might have had to do with Fosmo's runt-of-the-litter status in his large family. He had to fight for attention and constantly struggled to stand out. But with God, he never had to worry about being unseen. Vanessa's going to take over on the psychology here and throughout the episode. Please note, Vanessa is not a licensed psychologist or psychiatrist, but she has done a lot of research for this show. Thanks, Greg. Sometimes when a child can't attract a healthy amount of maternal or paternal affection, they compensate by developing a substitutive relationship with God. According to a survey published in the Journal for the Scientific Study of Religion, respondents who classified their childhood relationships with their mothers as avoidant were more religious as adults. This pattern held only when the parents were reported as having been relatively non-religious. The survey goes on to mention that respondents in the avoidant category also reported significantly higher rates of sudden religious conversions during adolescence and well into adulthood. But Fosmo wasn't just a hardcore believer. He was a natural-born leader, charismatic, ambitious, and disarmingly charming. By his early 20s, he had spearheaded a small Christian youth group through the Word of Life movement. The youth group was simply a continuation of Fosmo's growing relationship with God. During high school, he volunteered in a local Christian cafe. The amusements of the average teenage boy, sports, cars, girls, seemed to hold no interest for him. If it didn't have to do with God or religious ascension, he just wasn't that into it. That was until 1989. That year, 17-year-old Fosmo met the love of his life, Helene Yuanson. She was a smart, kind girl with hazel eyes and a bright, toothy smile. And she loved God, too. Helene was a member of the Pentecostal Church of Christina Hamann. While Fosmo was devout, it appears that he was by no means tied to any particular denomination. He decided to join Helene's church, possibly to win her affection. Pentecostalism is a branch of Christianity centered around the idea that believers can actually feel God's presence firsthand. For Pentecostals, faith isn't about any kind of formality. It's about experiencing the electricity of the Holy Spirit as it burns right through you. Fosmo took to Pentecostalism like a moth to a flame. A natural leader, he quickly stepped into the role of youth pastor, and he loved it. 
His enthusiasm seemed to be rewarded by God himself. At some point after joining Halean's denomination, he claimed to suddenly have the ability to speak in tongues. It's important to note that some Pentecostal leaders promote the idea that God's will can be realized through prophecy. And speaking in tongues is a sign that an individual has been baptized by the Holy Spirit. Many insist that speaking in tongues cannot be taught. Instead, the ability might spontaneously occur when a believer finds themselves wrapped up in the thick of religious ecstasy. Helga Fosmo had the divine ability to speak in tongues. He also often held his fellow congregants spellbound, as he told stories of prophetic dreams, which he claimed eventually came true. These rare spiritual abilities earned him immense respect among the local religious community. For her part, Halean couldn't help but notice Fosmo's budding popularity, promise, and charm. The two teens grew close and were eventually engaged. Their love was idyllic, or so it seemed. But even though Fosmo professed sincere feelings for Halean, a part of him continued to long for the electric experience of new romance. Once his relationship with Halean started to settle, Fosmo began fooling around with another girl in town. He was possibly still trying to fill the hole in his chest that had been empty since he first struggled to win his parents' attention. Regardless, the guilt of Fosmo's affair eventually took its toll on his conscience. Fosmo was all too familiar with the consequences of infidelity and the trouble cheating can bring. Fosmo's father had been unfaithful to his mother many times. Fosmo heard their fights and witnessed his father's futile attempts to explain himself. He knew his mother had been hurt and that his father was responsible. Torn up over his infidelity, he realized he couldn't keep this dark secret from his new fiance. So he decided to confess to Helene. One evening, he sat silently in the stoop of her parents' house, unable to muster the words he needed. Sheepish, he removed a promise ring Helene had given him and placed it in her hand. But Fosmo's bride-to-be refused his groveling. Right then and there, she forgave him and asked him to place the ring back on his finger. Fosmo was floored by his lover's generosity. He made a solemn promise to Helene that night, vowing never to be unfaithful again. But Fosmo was tempted again before he knew it. In 1993, at the young age of 22, the course of his life changed forever. Like a sudden wind, a remarkable young pastor from a nearby village blew into town. She'd come to visit Fosmo and Helene's church, and she was a force. Usa Valdau was a natural beauty and a hypnotic speaker. She had a way of convincing anyone she talked to that they were the only other person on the planet. The way in which she could make a person feel seen was her superpower. Helga Fosmo admitted to being overwhelmed upon meeting Usa. She was charismatic but imposing. She helped build an exceptional following at her church, Knutby Philadelphia. Though initially founded in 1921, her involvement brought a surge of new interest to the small Pentecostal community. Usa enjoyed her visits to Fosmo and Helene's church. She liked the community there and was quite taken with the 22-year-old Fosmo's piety and potential. It wasn't long before Fosmo realized Usa was considering him for a post in her own congregation. 
The more she brought up working together, the more Fosmo found himself persuaded. He came to believe that Usa was sanctified. In other words, in Fosmo's eyes, her previous sinful life was no longer a part of her. She was fully dedicated to God. He wasn't the only one who thought Usa was chosen for God. Word spread quickly that she was meant to play a meaningful role in his divine plan. Whatever that plan was, Fosmo wanted to be a part of it. The two connected on a deep level. Like Fosmo, Usa believed she'd found salvation as a teenager, and this shared history deeply bonded the two pastors. What many didn't yet know was that Usa had been exiled from her previous church in Uppsala. She'd been the children's pastor there for some time, but was sent packing after forming intimate relationships with several of the members' underage sons. This didn't stop 26-year-old Usa from preying on a 16-year-old boy, Patrick. Once Patrick turned 18 in 1994, Usa took the boy to be her husband. Fosmo and Halayan also tied the knot in 1994. The newly wedded Fosmos enjoyed spending time in church and deepening their commitment to God. Over the course of the next few years, they also grew their family. With two children in the picture and one on the way, their marriage seemed stronger than ever. But they would soon be tested in ways they could never imagine. Coming up, Usa invites Fosmo to work for her, and the two form a relationship of their own. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the story. Though they both married other people in 1994, Pentecostal pastors Usa Valdau and Helga Fosmo struck up an intimate friendship soon after they met. In 1997, 31-year-old Usa invited 26-year-old Fosmo to serve her congregation as a pastor in the Swedish town of Knutby. Fosmo enthusiastically accepted. He, his wife Helene, and their children packed up their meager belongings. The young family headed to Knutby to devote themselves to Usa's congregation. Before Fosmo became involved with Knutby, Philadelphia, the church would have been described as somewhat traditional, but Usa had already begun intense work on taking the church in a new direction. She had a rare gift of effortlessly attracting young people to the church. Youthful couples with children needed to feel supported in the efforts to adjust to adulthood. Usa was a sympathetic counselor. The new members of her congregation felt she radiated love and joy. To its members, Knutby Philadelphia was a place where they could show their brotherly or sisterly love freely. It was not uncommon for church members to greet each other with lingering hugs and sustained kisses. Familiar touch and fond words were encouraged by the pastors. The church was a happy place where pastors encouraged authentic praise. Prayer was intense. Several members regaled each other with detailed stories of their prophetic visions and dreams. 
The more folks took to Fosmo, the more Usa saw that she'd discovered a truly talented pastor. She soon realized that this 26-year-old rookie could become instrumental in helping her lead the church. She began to grow even closer with him. Fosmo truly believed in Usa and often leapt to her defense whenever she was criticized. Usa began to advertise an unusually personal connection with Jesus, and Fosmo backed her up. The elders of the church found the concept to be unusual, but that didn't matter much to Usa and Fosmo. Together, they alienated the elder members by spreading rumors that physical sickness was a sign of collusion with Satan. If you weren't young or strong, you were inferior. The gossip undercut the elders' credibility. Those that didn't like it left. After the exodus, Usa was truly at the helm of the Canopy Church. Membership swelled. At first, Usa's brand of charisma and energy felt in line with most of the other Pentecostal leaders. She hired a small army of mesmerizing pastors. Helga Fosmo rose to the top of the pastor pack and became her right hand. Because Fosmo was so knowledgeable about the Bible, he was able to back up and legitimize Usa's creative teachings. One such idea was that Usa was the so-called Bride of Christ. Revelation 19:79 says, Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Most churches believe that the whole church community represents the Bride of Christ in this verse. In a report by Professor of the History of Religion, Lisa Lota Friesk, the author wrote that Fosmo's congregation discussed whether the Bride of Christ really should be interpreted as the Church, the Body of Christ, as most Christians see it, or if it might be a human woman, an otherwise very unusual interpretation. At Knutby, Helga and Usa peddled the idea that she was destined to marry Jesus at the end of days. Her members believed her, partly because they already expected Christ to return at any moment. Usa told them that when Armageddon came, she would be sent home with Jesus, and the world as we know it would change. The members were thrilled to have a significant part to play in heralding a righteous apocalypse. They were primed to believe anything Usa and Fosmo told them. As time went on, Usa's teachings evolved. Soon, she was said to be preaching that members should embrace strict patriarchal roles within the household. Wives were instructed to obey their husbands blindly. Sex was promoted as a powerful exchange between two people, an important experience that could lead to an unbound and pure existence under the eye of God. There was a momentum to the church's growth. As Usa succeeded in bringing in new members, her pastoral approach continued to shift. She eventually began to frame her relationship with Christ as more than intimate. Usa made a show of the love she said she held with Jesus. Of course, in this world, she was to remain married to Patrick Valdau, but her union with Christ would last well into eternity. Most of the community saw Usa as an inspiring fire. Her followers bought into this prophecy, but Usa's incendiary spirit wasn't just motivating. Some members shared dreams they were having about Usa and God. Usa would appear breathtaking in a simple bridal gown. Then Jesus would enter the church. These shared dreams seemed to confirm the idea that their pastor would indeed one day marry Christ. Usa was Jesus' bride, but 28-year-old Pastor Fosmo played a key role in the prophecy as well. While Jesus awaited Usa in paradise, 
Fosmo was expected to fulfill God's role on earth. Fosmo already considered his relationship with Usa Valdau to be spiritually intimate. When she requested he satisfy her sexually in Jesus' name in 1999, he felt compelled to comply. Sex here was supposedly not meant to be an act of love between Fosmo and Usa themselves. Instead, Fosmo would act as an arbiter of Jesus' love. This was his duty to Christ and to Christ's new bride. Fosmo emphatically fulfilled his new spiritual post. For the most part, the congregation accepted Usa's new role as Christ's bride. But that meant they also had to accept that Pastor Fosmo was chosen to act as a sexual vessel for Jesus. One congregant struggled with that notion, Fosmo's wife, Helene. She expressed concern about Fosmo's sexual involvement with Usa, but he wanted to give Usa what Jesus could not. He insisted Helene get over it. When asked retrospectively about his relationship with Usa Valdau at this point, Fosmo said he'd never known someone with such an ability to reach into another's heart. She fostered a level of comfort that he hadn't experienced before. Usa had a hold on him, and he feared that he might disappoint her. Helene was bullied into accepting her husband's role in the church. He was, after all, a key player among the pastors, and he was devout. But it felt like he was breaking his promise to be faithful to her. Fosmo was frequently whisked away to physically deliver Christ's love to Usa. As a result, Helene suffered intense bouts of depression. She withdrew from many church activities and tried her best to turn a blind eye. According to their report on intimacy, loneliness, and infidelity in the Open Psychology Journal, Ami Rokosh and Gwinelle Philibert Liniere say, to be in love is often thought to exclude being lonely, but research shows otherwise. Loneliness is exacerbated when intimacy is shattered by interpersonal events like infidelity. And according to another report in the Journal of Social and Clinical Psychology, researchers found 38% of women who experienced severe negative marital events, such as infidelity, developed major depressive episodes. Helene was shattered. She disapproved of Usa and Fosmo's relationship. Making matters worse, it was all public. The whole congregation knew of the affair and supported 33-year-old Usa and 28-year-old Fosmo. After all, this liaison had God's stamp of approval. Helene had nowhere to turn for comfort. Usa's husband was also a leader in the church and claimed to have no problems with the arrangement. Helene was alienated, shunned by the members of Knutby, Philadelphia. Meanwhile, the more zealous the congregants became in defense of Usa and Fosmo, the more they were isolated from other Pentecostal churches. The abnormal was becoming comfortable for the people of Knutby. In a retrospective interview with Helga Fosmo, he mentions Knutby's Christian values becoming insidiously altered during this time. Fosmo called what was happening to the churchgoers' minds a collective norm migration. One of the most dramatic new norms the members came to accept was a prophecy that someone from the congregation would soon die. It would be the will of God. In Knutby, to say that an event was the will of God was to say it was law. So what makes a community of free-thinking adult individuals accept any new notion as a norm? 
According to Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences of the United States of America, human behavior is strongly affected by culturally transmitted norms. Humans' capacity to internalize norms likely evolved to simplify solving certain challenges, including social ones. The report from the National Academy of Sciences goes on to discuss what happens when groups are given the ability to punish a free-riding individual. Free riders like Halayan are people who are seen as reaping the benefits of group involvement without actually sacrificing for the collective good, as others are. The congregation ostracized Halayan. Though she tried not to cause conflict, she was alone, a single dissenting voice among the cult. She had nobody to talk to. If she sought out a companion's ear, she'd be punished. Her self-esteem had been pulverized by Fosmo's neglect. She thought no one in the outside world would believe her. Beyond the congregation's walls, Usa's station as Christ's bride was kept mostly under wraps. Members lied to strangers about what happened in the church. They didn't want to come under scrutiny from those who could never understand. Finally, in late 1999, some reports claim that Helene summoned the courage to approach her husband. By this point, he seemed to have forgotten all about his promise to stay faithful. With tears in her eyes, Halayan begged him to stop seeing Usa, but Fosmo, now 28, refused. This time, he felt no guilt about his disloyalty. To him, it wasn't a betrayal. He was simply serving Christ's bride, Usa Valdau. His infidelity had purpose, and he would be exonerated. Fosmo told Halayan he was merely carrying out his divine duty as Usa's sexual servant. But Helene couldn't hide her dwindling faith. She begged and bawled, but to no effect. Fosmo would not bend. Fosmo then told Usa about the argument with his wife. She warned him that Helene's insubordination could cost her. Were she to continue to disobey God's will, she would surely suffer a severe penalty. Death. She showed no mercy. A few weeks before Christmas, she took matters into her own hands and confronted Helene. In a calm, even tone, Usa said, You are rebellious. You should not question what Helga does, that he spends time with me. You should not question me, or God will kill you. Helene held her breath. In that moment, she didn't question Pastor Valdau. She presented herself as deeply loving and truly supportive. Having made her point, Usa backed down. Fosmo continued to satisfy Usa, and Helene stayed muzzled for the time being. All of a sudden, Fosmo allegedly started having a new batch of prophetic dreams. For seven straight nights, the story goes, he envisioned Helene dying a disturbing death. In his nightmares, Helene died the same way and in the same location every single time the family bathtub. For 28-year-old Fosmo, the dream cycle warned of punishment for his wife's disobedience. Though Helene was putting on a show of support, it was much too late. Fosmo couldn't keep these prophecies to himself, so he shared detailed recounts of his visions with several members of his church. Then, on an all-too-chilly night, December 18, 1999, Pastor Helga Fosmo woke to a knock on the front door. 
Wiping sleep from his eyes, he climbed out of bed and tiptoed through the silent house. He didn't want to wake Halean or their three sleeping children. The knock had come from a friend who was returning a set of car keys. Fosmo let his friend in and went to use the restroom. It was locked from the inside. Fosmo called for his friend to come to help him. When they were finally able to get the bathroom door open, they discovered young Halean lying dead in the bathtub. The sinister news of her death would change Canopy, Philadelphia forever. Up next, the police investigate Halean's death, and Pastor Fosmo takes a brand new bride. Now back to the story. Pastor Helga Fosmo was a popular member of the Swedish Pentecostal Church, Knutby, Philadelphia. In 1999, the 28-year-old was honored to serve the church leader, Usa Valdau, the Bride of Christ, as her sexual servant. But just a week before Christmas, Pastor Fosmo's life was rocked by tragedy. One night, he found his wife, Helene, dead in the family bathtub. Helene seemed to have taken a very serious fall. Evidently, she hit her head on the bath's metal faucet. But as her death was further investigated, circumstances grew more suspicious. The autopsy report contained a reference to a near-fatal dose of an opioid painkiller in her system at the time of death. The drug found in Helene's body was dextropropoxifene. It's been known to cause sleepiness. According to forensic medical expert Ulla Lindquist, high doses of the drug could paralyze the respiratory system. Lindquist also reported that dextropropoxifene could easily be concealed in a colored beverage. Moreover, Helga Fosmo had once been prescribed dextropropoxifene. With these facts in mind, he certainly looked suspicious. And he did little to dispel any doubt surrounding him. When Fosmo sent Helene's family her autopsy report, pertinent information was missing. Someone erased the notes about the dextropropoxifene they found in her system. Fosmo later admitted to tampering with Halean's death report. In a retrospective interview, Fosmo said, Usa told me to eradicate the medicine in the death report. Usa didn't want Halean's parents to think she'd convinced her to commit suicide. Ultimately, the authorities ruled that Halean's death was caused by falling and striking her head against the bathtub faucet. There was insufficient evidence to prove that her death was anything but an accident. The case was dismissed. Pastor Usa Valdau capitalized on the accident. She used Helene's death as proof that her prophecies were real. After Helene's sudden death, the phrase going home made its way into the devotee's vernacular. To the members of the church, this phrase lent itself to the idea that members of the church could actually be called to die in service of their prophecy. Helene's death started a wave of dark dreams among the congregants. Many of them dreamt about the deaths of their fellow worshipers. It was almost in vogue to conjecture about who would be the next called home. Amidst the chaos, Fosmo began losing his grip. Though he tried to grieve properly, Usa wouldn't have it. Fosmo later said, We were a couple since 1989 and married in 1994. She was the love of my life and mother of my children. After her death, I lost track of life. I broke inside. Once Halean was out of the picture, Usa made sure Fosmo wouldn't be alone. She wasted little time in arranging a new marriage for him. Within days of his wife's death, 
Fosmo became newly engaged to Alexandra Wikström, Usa Valdau's little sister. At the time, Alexandra was actually engaged to someone else. But almost immediately after Helene's death, Alexandra's fiancé suddenly broke off the engagement. In late November of 2000, 29-year-old Helga Fosmo and Alexandra Wikström were married. Meanwhile, the congregation still assumed Jesus was patiently awaiting Usa's death so they could be together in eternity. Church members dedicated prayers to Usa in an effort to expedite her passing. Once her soul had left her body, Usa could be sent home to meet her true groom, Jesus Christ. When Fosmo was asked to participate in prayers for the quickening of Usa's death, he agreed. Even though he was newly married, he began spending more and more time with one of the prayer group's members, 22-year-old Sara Svensson. Sara was described by those other members as a happy and positive person. Fosmo took such a liking to Svensson, he hired her on as his kid's babysitter. Usa said Sara was pure, sacred, and close to God. While she was respected within the community, Sara tended to keep her distance from the pack. Her lack of engagement may have stemmed from her childhood. Sara had lost her mother to cancer when she was 12. This loss could have led to Sara's later introversion. According to a report of the Child Bereavement Study, grieving children can show higher levels of social withdrawal, anxiety, and social problems, as well as lower self-esteem and self-efficacy. One psychiatrist actually diagnosed Sara with Dependent Personality Disorder, or DPD, an inability to be alone. This might have been the reason Fosmo believed she could be useful to him. No stranger to grief, it was easy for Sara and Fosmo to connect after Helene's death. To some degree, Sara seemed to understand her boss better than his new wife did. He found comfort in Sara's company. And as someone with DPD, she felt safe when she attached to him. In the months that followed his second wedding, 29-year-old Pastor Fosmo and 23-year-old Sara began an illicit affair. Fosmo proclaimed a deep love for her. She felt honored that her favorite pastor at Knutby would choose to spend his time with her. Fosmo said his affection for Sara was like a divine love between siblings. He claimed God's will demanded a covenant be set up between himself and Sara, and he promised they would seal the covenant through sexual intercourse. To do just that, Fosmo and Sara often left their spouses to spend time together. They'd say they had to go pray together or consult on a spiritual matter. In reality, they would creep off to the nearest bedroom and have sex. Sara's husband, Linus, soon grew suspicious. He tried to keep Fosmo and Sara from meeting up. But Fosmo was one step ahead of him. In 2001, after it got too hard for Pastor Fosmo to see Sara, he appeared to come down with a troubling illness. In front of others, Fosmo began shivering violently. He seemed to be undergoing some frightening form of possession. He rattled and screamed, convulsed and begged. He needed the assistance of a spiritual nurse. He needed Sara. Sara drove him to the hospital. She relished being Fosmo's emergency contact. She promised she wouldn't leave him, and she stayed all night by his side. The next morning, when Linus arrived to collect his wife, Fosmo seemed to experience a serious uptick in his symptoms. He claimed to be feeling intense pain all over his body. He forced Linus to leave without Sara. 
When he made it home from the hospital, Fosmo explained to his new wife, Alexandra, that his body was under siege. He was being taken over by Satan's demons. He demanded Sara be the one to stay by his side. Alexandra was kicked out of the marital bedroom, and for six months, Sara stayed with Fosmo in her place. Sara and Fosmo had sex every night. To Sara, helping Fosmo heal was a calling. One evening, Fosmo told Sara the demons had gained total control of his spirit. He thrashed and flailed, fighting for his life, but Satan's minions seemed to be winning the battle. In what felt like the final battle for his soul, the demons completely blinded Fosmo. Sara was concerned, but she knew just what to do. She cradled Fosmo. She caressed him. She sang to him. Finally, when Fosmo was calm enough, the two had sex. When Fosmo climaxed, a miracle occurred. His sight returned. The congregation accepted that Sara was helping Fosmo battle demonic forces, but they were apparently unaware of the graphic ways in which the two were fighting the devil. But Fosmo wasn't done pressing the limits of Sara's commitment to him. One rainy night, as he lay in Sara's arms, Fosmo asked her a serious question. Did she think she could ever take the life of another person? She reportedly responded that if it was God's will, she believed she could. Sara assumed the conversation was merely philosophical. Fosmo claimed that helping send someone home, so to speak, was the merciful way to help deliver a soul up to God. Sara listened intently, but didn't respond. It was good enough for 30-year-old Fosmo. Sometime between 2001 and 2002, he approached the other pastors with a new revelation. God told him that he should marry Sara Svensson. He expected their full support, but the group turned on him. Suddenly, Usa rose and walked toward Pastor Fosmo. She stopped inches from him. Calmly, Usa said, Your dream is not from God. She ordered Fosmo to be faithful to her sister, Alexandra. Fosmo had no choice but to obey her. Instantly, Fosmo changed his tune with Sara. He became cold, cruel, and manipulative. Sara didn't understand why he would turn from her, but she couldn't stop loving the pastor, and he had trouble resisting her. They continued having sex. But soon, their emotional intimacy all but evaporated. Sara became nothing more than a sex slave to Fosmo. He strung her along, playing psychological games and manipulating her into believing she held no moral value. Fosmo rejected Sara's affection completely. He made her feel evil. He railed on her, saying she had lost God's grace. He blamed her for tempting him. He called her a fallen woman and used her as a scapegoat to regain favor with Usa and the pastors. Sara was distraught. She didn't understand how she could have failed God. So Fosmo threw her a last-ditch life preserver. He told her to obey God's will, no matter what even if God instructed her to kill. Thanks again for tuning into Cults. We'll be back next Tuesday with part two of Helga Fosmo, the SMS Killer. 
We'll take a closer look at how technology allowed Pastor Fosmo to infiltrate the mind of his mistress and the dramatic events that led up to the gruesome murder of Fosmo's second wife, Alexandra. For more information on Helga Fosmo, amongst the many sources we used, we found the book Violence and New Religious Movements by James R. Lewis and Spirits of Globalization, The Growth of Pentecostalism and Experiential Spiritualities in a Global Age, edited by Sturla Stolset, extremely helpful to our research. You can find all episodes of Cults and all other podcast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Cults, for free, from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Cults on Spotify, just open the app and type Cults in the search bar. We'll see you next time. Cults was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound designed by Russell Nash with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Joshua Kern. This episode of Cults was written by John Levinson, with writing assistance by Abigail Cannon, and stars Greg Polson and Vanessa Richardson.